Well, today we're continuing in our series through Daniel. Uh, we'll be in Daniel chapter 3. Um, but before we get to Daniel today, I want to talk just for a minute about we were just singing. And uh, what makes that singing any different than, you know, just a rock concert or, or whatever, or a concert you go to, or um, even uh, we were, went and saw the, the Sound of Music um, with Brittany was in it this, this last weekend. I got to see it yesterday. And um, like, what, what makes that singing different from this singing? And I propose to you that the difference is, is that this singing is about worship. And it's about the one that we're singing to and the one that we're, we're, we're praising, uh, the one that's at the center of our worship. And that's what makes this different from just any other kind of singing. Um, that's what makes a different uh, when we look at God's word and we're worshiping him through studying his word together. Um, it's a difference than any other kind of TED talk or uh, self-help talk or anything like that. Um, because uh, he is at the center of it, and, and he is what is so important. Um, because you see, we all are created to worship. God, when he designed us, when he created us, he created us as beings who are designed as instruments of worship. And the thing is, we're going to worship something. It's either going to be him, or it's going to be something else. And it might be a mix of a lot of things. Uh, for some of us, we might struggle with worshiping money, jobs, careers. We might struggle with worshiping our family. We might struggle with worshiping relationships. We might struggle with worshiping power, politics, fame, religion. We might fall into worshiping all of these different things, or honestly, it might be just a combination of all of those things that at different times we're worshiping all this different stuff. And the thing is about worship is we're made to worship one, and that is God, that is our creator. And he laid out for us in scripture some, some pretty clear instructions about how he feels about this. Um, in, uh, in Deuteronomy, uh, he says, starting in chapter 5, this is, this is all pre-Daniel, okay? So this, I'm laying a groundwork. We're going to get there. We're going to get to Daniel. But Deuteronomy 5, starting in verse 5, it says this. Actually, let's skip down to verse 6. Uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. It's before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So what does God say here right at the beginning of the Ten Commandments? There's no other gods but me. I'm number one. Nobody else is even in the same ballpark. This is number one. This is most important. Don't miss this. And second thing with it, I know you people. I know what you're going to do. I know what you like to do. You're going to make your little images. And you're going to start worshiping them. 
In fact, when, when Moses was on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments, what were the people at the bottom of the mountain doing? Making a golden calf so they could worship the God who brought them out of Egypt. After he just spoke to them from the mountain saying, don't do that. Right? That's the way it is with us too. God says it and then when he says, don't do that, we're like, oh yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's do that. Right? Like, what, what is wrong with us as people? But yeah, here, God makes it clear. No other gods, no idols. Don't worship created things, things that man has made. Worship me. That's what you are designed for. That's what you are made for. In the next chapter in Deuteronomy 6, he says this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk on the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. God's saying, hey, here's what's most important. Jesus later on, when he's asked, what's the, what's the most important commandment in the law? This is where he goes. He said, everything hinges on this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus added, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. And all of what God has told us about worship, about how we live and how we act and who we are, really boils down to those two things. Love God and love your neighbor. And here, God is making it clear. He's saying, with all of you. So when it comes to our worship, what, what, what does he want? He wants all of us. He wants all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Focused on him, bringing him glory and honor and praise. And yet we, we fall so, so short of that. But we have a good example today of a couple of guys who got it right. And they were thrown in a fire for it. And so we're in Daniel chapter three, and we were in the story with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And as we we read through this, um, I just want you to be thinking, think of it in this context. What Nebuchadnezzar has set up here is just one big worship service. He set up one big honking worship service to worship who? Him. Him and his gods. Uh, We just finished in chapter 2 where he gave them the the impossible task of telling him his dream and what it meant. Or else you're going to die, right? That was his whole rip your arms off thing. Um, and, uh, And yet Daniel was able to do it because God gave him the answer and he gave God all the glory. And what was the dream about relating to Nebuchadnezzar? It was the fact Nebuchadnezzar was what? He was the golden head on this statue. And the ultimate point is him and all the kingdoms after him are ultimately going to be smashed by God's kingdom who is established by the stone, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, who's going to lay waste to all the kingdoms of the earth. Right? Nebuchadnezzar, I think, kind of missed that point. I think he got stuck on the first part. Because he's like, oh, golden head statue, that's me. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to build a big golden statue. And that's what he does. Let's jump into chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 
whose height was 60 cubits and its breadth 6 cubits. Um, so that is uh, 9 feet by 9 feet base with 90 feet tall, okay? Um, or I think in metric, I was looking it up, um, I think that is 27 meters tall and 2.7 by 2.7 meters at the base, okay? So w whatever units you guys are using right now, because I know we're in Canada where we use all of them uh, where they don't make any sense. Um, he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governor, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication um, of the image the King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, I mean, talk about a worship band. They've even got bagpipes in there. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews they declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods and worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready... When you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. So he's giving them another chance. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast in the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? See what's at stake here? Nebuchadnezzar himself is saying, I am God. I am above God. I, you should be worshiping me. You need to be doing what I say. Who's going to save you from me? I am that powerful. Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. <laughs> okay. King threatening to kill you. We don't need to answer you on this. We don't got to talk to you. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, 
be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. So these guys say, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not worshiping what you set up. We're not going there. Why? They knew Deuteronomy. Their parents had passed these things on to them as they were instructed to. They knew the fact that they were not to bow down to these images. They knew the fact that they were to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that meant not bowing down and worshiping some statue that this king has set up. Well, then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against them. You see, here's the deal. These guys are faithful to God. They keep God first. They say he is first. We are not bowing down to this abomination that you have set up out here. This thing is nothing. This thing is going to be destroyed. This thing is not going to last. This thing does not count for anything. We know the one true God. We are going to continue to worship him. We're going to continue to only bow down to him. And sorry, not sorry. It's basically what they say. And the, the thing is, when you take this stance with your life, when you say, I'm only going to worship and follow Jesus, I'm only going to worship and follow true God, it is not the path to popularity. In fact, it's, it's, the, it's frequently the path to unpopularity, as these guys find here, right? What happens when they first don't bow down? The tattletales come. Nah, 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 nah. They didn't bow down. Nah, 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 nah. Right? Did you, did you catch that part? Um, yeah. We'll save all the, the snitches get stitches jokes for the lion's den. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so these guys are. Nah, 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 and uh, so then the king, he's trying to give them one more chance. They say, nope, we're not going to do it, king. And, uh, and so then he's furious at them. In fact, we're seeing a minute, like, he has the furnace heated up seven times hotter than normal. He's angry. He's flaming angry. And I want to tell you, others will hate and despise you if you will not worship the things they do. This is just a fact. When you make Christ a priority in your life and you're living according to God's word and what he says, this is not the path to popularity. This is the path to people who are living according to this world, not liking you, right? And, and that, it's like, wow, glad I came for that this morning, Wayne. That's really encouraging to, to do this Jesus thing. Yeah, it is. Um, because here's the deal. There's good stuff after it. Yeah, opposition might come in. Yeah, we might have conflict. Yeah, we might have hard things come at us. But we're going to see in a minute how we can, can handle those things. Now, there's a lot of speculation that goes into this chapter on the question of where was Daniel, right? Because what we see from Daniel throughout the rest of the book, there's no way Daniel was out there bowing down to this thing, right? Like, what we know of Daniel, like, that just doesn't add up, that he would be out there bowing down to this, this idol that was made. So where was Daniel? Um, there's several guesses, but they're just that. They're guesses. They're just speculation. Uh, what we, we did see at the end of chapter 2 is that, remember, Daniel was elevated to a very, very high position in the kingdom. 
okay? Um, these other three got elevated but not as high. Um, and so there's a couple possibilities with that. One, Daniel could have been gone somewhere on kingdom business when this happened. He could have been sent as a, you know, ambassador for the king to somewhere else in the kingdom to take care of something that could have happened. Another theory um, is we don't see in this story Nebuchadnezzar himself bowing down. Um, so it might have been like his inner circle. Um, those closest to him were kind of above the ones that were given the edict to bow down. Daniel would have been in that inner circle. That's theory number two. Uh, theory number three, the tattletales uh, were scared of Daniel because of how high his position was. So they weren't about to, to say his name. Um, we don't know. Uh, but a lot of speculation goes into where was Daniel but I want to ask you, why are we only wondering where number four was? At this point, most likely there were hundreds if not thousands of Jews in this town, in this place. All who should have known what Deuteronomy says. All who should have known not to bow down to this thing, to only bow down and worship the one true God. The ones who... The prophets had told them, hey, the reason that, that you're going to go into captivity, the reason you're going to be, cap, be conquered by Babylon is because you've been worshiping all these other gods. And it's God's judgment on you. And they're suffering that judgment for their ancestors' sins. And you would think in that moment that all of them would be saying, no, we're not bowing down to this thing. So I want to ask you, instead of why isn't there number four Daniel there, I want to ask you, why isn't there number 5,288 there, right? Like, why isn't Nebuchadnezzar having to build a bigger furnace? Instead of just heating it hotter, why isn't there so many people that are saying no? And I think the answer to that is the answer that's true for us. What's so much easier is just to give in. To say things like, oh, well, it doesn't really matter. Or I don't mean it. I don't mean it if I bow down to this thing and just so I fit in with everybody else. I mean, everybody else is doing it, so it's okay if I do it too, right? That's so easy for us to fall into. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are faithful to God, and they say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to bow down to this thing. No matter the cost, no matter what, it, you know, you throw us in the fire, God could save us, or he might choose not to. It doesn't matter. We're not going to bow down. Well, Jesus, later on, he tells us in Luke chapter 9, he says it this way. Starting in verse 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory, and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And Jesus said, hey, you want to follow me? Here's the cost. Take up your cross and follow me. 
We, we've made the cross into just kind of the Christian symbols. So we're like, yeah, take up the Christian thing and follow Jesus. Yay, look at us. We're going to like youth camp with our cross and we're going to have fun with all our other Christian friends and have our cross time um, kind of thing going on. But when Jesus said this, what did this mean? He said, take up your instrument of death. Take up the thing that they will execute you with and follow me. The thing that leads to your destruction Pick it up and come after me because that's where we're going. And you're like, wow, really happy moments with Wayne this morning. Yeah. Because she takes out that the Christian life is just all going to be easy and smooth and comfortable. But what he does make out is that it's worth it. Because he took up that cross, he went and he laid down his life on it so that he could pay the price for us. So that he suffered and died in our place so that we could be forgiven. So that we could be made right with God. And we know that his payment was received and accepted in full by the fact that he rose again three days later. I was watching a TV show this week and it was completely had nothing to do with the show whatsoever. But then this one guy uh, just started making a comment and he just said, yeah, I think Jesus lost. I think he was a loser. And the other person's like, what? And he's like, yeah, because, I mean, he died, right? So he lost. He's like, and then he goes, yeah, sure, he rose again, but still, he's a loser. I'm like, wow, I feel sorry for you. Um, because I don't know how you call someone who, who a loser who ultimately defeated the thing that's coming for all of us. I mean, what's certain in life? Two things, right? Death and taxes, right? Jesus defeated death, and he offers that defeat for us completely free of taxes. You don't have to pay anything for it. He gives it freely to you and says, here, you're mine. I want you. I have redeemed you. I have paid the price for you of my own accord. You owed a huge debt, but I paid it. And that's how good Jesus is. And yet, here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they haven't, you know, the, the cross hasn't even happened yet, but they know God, they know his word, they know his law, and they say, we're not going against him. We are not going against what he has said here. You throw us in the furnace, fine. He's powerful. He's power enough, powerful enough he can save us. Do we have any record of God saving people in furnaces up to this point? Zero. Yet these guys had faith and they believed that God could save them. And so what is, how does the king respond to this? Let's jump back in at 19 again. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Think what's going through their mind at this moment. Some of the strongest guys in the military are wrapping you up and tying you up and hauling you to throw you into a fire. Do you think anywhere maybe in this moment they might be having that little bit of a second guess? A little bit of a thought of, are we really doing the right thing? Are, are we really following God in this? Like, this is not looking good. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. 
Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some of the strongest guys in the military are killed just by proximity to the flames. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. If you haven't gotten this point already with what I've said, worshiping only Christ will bring hardship and flames to your life. When you're saying, I only follow Jesus, I only follow the one true God, I only follow the one who is the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father except through him. When you're saying, I only follow him, it's going to bring these hard things in your life. It's going to happen. Like, that's what we see throughout the Bible. Anybody that sugarcoats Christianity to make it not say that, it's doing exactly that. They're, they're just picking out parts they like because it's very clear throughout, especially the New Testament, that everybody who said, I'm following Jesus, suffered. Like, it should be what we expect, not what we're surprised by. Scripture is very, very clear on this. But because Jesus did what he did, because he suffered the way that he did, because he went to the cross for us, he knows our pains. He knows our sufferings. He can identify with them. That's why Hebrews tells us that we have a high priest who can identify with our sufferings. He intercedes for us um, with the Father as one who understands, as one who, who has been through what we are going through. And even beyond that, what we see as we move on in Daniel 3, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. And he declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. And he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. And so here we have God saving them. Even though they're thrown into the flames, even though they're bound up, Apparently, the only thing that burns off is their bindings. And those are gone, and they're free, and they're walking around in the fire, and there's this fourth guy in there with them. And no, it's not Daniel, but it is someone who Nebuchadnezzar himself, as he looks in, he says, that guy looks like a son of God. He looks like a son of the gods. Like, now, we don't know for sure who this was. Um, you know, by his, by his description, could it have been uh, the pre-incarnate second person of the Trinity? Um, that's a theological way of saying Jesus before he was born. Um, could it have been Jesus before he was born? Yes, it could have been. Uh, we see other places in the Old Testament where Jesus, it appears him to be showing up. So could it have been Jesus that showed up and met them in the flames? Yes. Could it have been an angel sent by him to them to minister to them? Yes. The point is that someone from God, from the heavenly realm, who's come in to be with them in their moment of need. He's there with them in their moment of suffering, in their moment of trial. And I want to encourage you that if you're a follower of Jesus and you're going through pain and suffering, especially on account of following him, that he will be there with you. He will be there to carry you through the flames. He will be there to carry you through the hardships. You have to look to him, though. You have to, to see him in the midst of it and turn to him. I know many of you are going through or have gone through very difficult things in your life and continue to. I encourage you 
to look to Jesus and remain faithful to him and keep your eyes on him because he'll be there with you. And even though there's, there's suffering that, that is beyond what this world can understand, how you can go through with Jesus is possible. It's possible to do it with the fruit of the Spirit and still exhibit love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in your life in the midst of going through horrible, horrible things. Because Jesus will be there to carry you through those flames. Do you notice something in this, this little section here? The guys are free and they're walking around. What are they not doing? Hightailing it out of that furnace, right? You know, if me, I get thrown in a fire and miraculously I'm not burned up. I'm probably thinking, I want to get out of here before that changes, right? Like, I, let's, let's get out of this thing. So we're in the presence of, of God in some way. And they said they were just happy to walk around and probably having a chat with him in there. That's one of those things when I get to heaven, it's going to be on my list. I want to find these guys and say, hey, what was that like? And what were you talking about, right? Like, really curious about that one. But the story goes on. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace, and he declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. And the satraps, prefects, the governors, the kings, counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not any power over the bodies of these men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angels and delivered his servants, who trusted in him and set aside the king's commands, and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Can that be said of us? They yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their god. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruins for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Again, we're on this journey with Nebuchadnezzar where he's starting to get some of it, and then he doesn't. Right? So his response to an encounter with the one true God is like, this, this God's the real God, and if you don't believe that, I'm going to rip your arms off. All right? I, don't, I don't propose that we employ this evangelism technique today, okay? Um, the arm ripping off thing, let's leave that with Nebuchadnezzar. Um, but yeah, so it's clear here that God's fingerprints, again, are just running through this story. And he protects his people, he watches over them, he makes them safe, and then he rewards them bountifully. You see, he rewards them not just with their lives... Not just with the fact that they didn't die in the fire. He did that for them. But then also in the story, they're promoted again, right? I mean, 
they, they denied the king. They said they stood up to the king and said, no, we're not doing what you want. And at the end of the day, they're promoted in his kingdom. Who can do that besides God? Right? And so when we're worried about our earthly situation, when we're worried about the consequences of how this is going to work out, if I do what God wants me to do in this situation, or if I behave in the way that God wants me to behave here, or if I don't do what my boss tells me to do here because uh, they're wanting me to do something that's immoral or illegal, um, but they're my boss and I feel like I, I should do that because I want to keep my job, do we trust God? Do we trust God and say, yeah, I'm going to follow you no matter what. Might lose my job, might get thrown in the furnace, whatever, doesn't matter. I'm not bowing my knee to another. I'm going to continue to stand for you. I'm going to continue to follow Christ. I want to tell you that the good we get from a life submitted to Christ and living in love and worship of him can't be counted. It's immeasurable. We can't put a, put a number on it. We can't put a value on it. It's eternal. It's forever. I mean, sure, we get the rewards in this life, but we get the rewards for eternity as well. So I want to ask you, do you love him? And are you willing to uncompromisingly worship him? Are you willing to say no to the things of this world that, that, that demand we bow our knee to them? To say yes only to Christ and to following him? Do you know the blessing and rewards of life with him? I hope you do. If you don't, then you can today. You can know that today. Simply call out to him and ask him and say, Jesus, I fully believe that you died on the cross. I fully believe that you rose from the dead. And I fully believe that you did that for me and that you can be my Lord and my Savior. Ask him today to forgive you of your sins and make you right with God. And then once we, we receive that free gift of grace, that free gift that he restores upon us, then our response to that is we want to follow him in obedience just the way that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did. Because see, the obedience isn't to save you, but it's because you are saved. And so as those who are saved, as those who have experienced the forgiveness of Christ, his unmerited favor, the, 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 the thing we don't deserve, but yet he gives to us anyway. We should want to respond in obedience in honoring him with our lives. So I ask those of you who know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, is there an area in your life where you've been bowing your knee to someone else? something else, something that you've been putting in his place, in the place where only he should be. Do you need to confess that to him today? Do you need to cut that thing down? Do you need to destroy it? Because our knees should only bow to him and to nothing else. I think I'm going to end the sermon today with just reading 
what King David wrote as he was going through trials and tribulations in this life. He wrote it this way. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I'm going to pray as the worship team comes back to lead us. Dear Heavenly Father, we do know you to be the one true God. You are one. We thank you that in your oneness you sent the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, to come and take on human flesh and to die on a cross for us, paying the ultimate price and the ultimate suffering in our place. And that he rose again three days later, proving that he defeated sin and death, and he'd done that for us. We thank you for that. Lord, I thank you for the example of people like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were willing to be faithful to you no matter the cost. No matter what the apparent outcome was, they said yes to following you. And Lord, I pray that we will be able to demonstrate that same level of faithfulness in our lives. Where no matter the cost, no matter what is coming at us, we say yes to you and yes to obedience in you. And I pray all this in Christ's name.